Welcome to the Pajama Podcast. Today's tells for tomorrow's talents. For everyone from six years old and above. Mulan Retold Read by April K. Once upon a time, a small village lay nestled in a valley between mountains whose tips disappeared among the clouds. As blossoming willow trees swayed gently in the breeze, an elderly man held his daughter's hand and sighed. In years past, spring was a season of hope. Just a few years ago, he could remember thousands of magnolias decorating the banks of the famous Yellow River, his daughter playing with friends from over the mountain. Now, the once-flowing river was barely a trickle, coughing and sputtering as it dripped helplessly from rock to rock. What's that, father? A bright voice asked from his lap. Cocking his head to one side, the old man strained his ear into the distance. The faint chugs and clanks of distant factories, a soundtrack to daily life in the village, had paused. Instead, they were replaced by a dull, rhythmic thud which echoed through the valleys. The old man's eyes flashed wide open in horror. It was a sound he'd hoped to never hear again. Looking down, he squeezed his daughter's hand, the note of fear in his voice unmistakable. Mulan, he said, war is coming. As the army and its drums rolled through the valley, the village exploded in a hubbub of excitement and rumor. Around campfires, grandparents regaled eager-eyed youngsters with stories of valor. Parents polished rusty swords and burnished blades of steel, while teenagers practiced swirling sabers and swinging swords in the village square. From his front door, the old man watched on with empty eyes and a heavy heart. A retired general, he was the only villager who had witnessed countless campaigns in the past. In ordinary times, he would have stepped forward to fight, but the illness that had plagued him from his final wound was tightening its grip, leaving him a shadow of his former self. Coughing, he turned to his wife. If they knew only a fraction of the horrors of war, their smiles would vanish in an instant. She rubbed his arm tenderly. I know, my love, but the horrors of life without water could be greater. Who could blame them for wanting to go to war with those who threaten it? Besides, unless the river flows soon, we will struggle to grow your medication. The general shook his head. Believing war will help anyone or anything is a great fallacy. I would trade all my medals and medicine for just one year of peace. The pair watched on as their daughter, Mulan, laughed as she effortlessly dispatched another opponent in the village square. Just like her father, Mulan had a natural ability with a sword in her hand. Tiptoeing effortlessly around the flailing attempts of others before striking hard and fast, the glint of her blade whistling and slicing through the air. Flushed with success, Mulan caught the eyes of her parents and ran up to them. Come, father, she cried. Take a look. He watched on as she twisted and twirled her sword, ducking and diving before them. Well, panted Mulan, looking up. What do you think? The army arrived tomorrow. Am I ready to join them? Her father smiled gently. You have great skill, Mulan. He began, 
coughing and wheezing slightly. But one is never ready for war. There is no true glory in battle to be won, just a lifetime of heartaches to gain. But father, you won a great one, the old man shouted, surprising Mulan with a rare anger. What have I won? I have fought so that my child would never have to fight and obviously failed. And now you will have to set off and go to war over a river whose waters could easily be shared by all. I wish I had the power to spare you from the horror that awaits. Seeing disappointment and shame spread across Mulan's face, he paused. Come, he said, pulling her into his arms. I'm sorry, my dear. I worry I have only a few years left. I can't bear the thought of not seeing you again. They have promised we will easily win this war far sooner than you can imagine. The rivers will flow again, and we can care for you once and for all. Her father hugged her and smiled as they walked back inside, trying desperately to hide his despair at the lies he had heard all too often before. Morning broke and houses emptied as the drumbeats and army arrived. A heaving mass of metal, youth, and adrenaline swarmed through as the villagers watched on with bated breath. Sprinting to the village square, Mulan read the poster calling for all troops and old generals to enlist. Running her fingers over the parchment and gently tracing over her father's name, she shuddered. He was far too weak to fight. Taking a deep breath, Mulan closed her eyes, knowing her time had finally come. That afternoon, Mulan stood and listened to the new general stories of the terrors and atrocities committed by the Khan's forces. Led by the young and infamous Do Jinyang, Mulan gripped her father's hand tight as they heard how peace would never arrive and rivers would never flow again unless their enemies were defeated. She was a little surprised having been close friends with a young girl from Khan's villages as a child. She would never have imagined her people would become such monsters. The general finished with a promise of great valor and glory to those who fought, and young villagers swarmed forward to join the masked ranks. Clutching her sword tight, Mulan turned to her side. Father, we both know that you are too old to fight in this war. The army will not allow it. I must go in your place and protect our family's honor. Mulan dared not look at her father, but to her surprise, he squeezed her hand and fixed her with a faint smile. My love, I wish there was something I could do, but I fear you're right. I feared this day would one day arrive. Promise me to return. Losing you would be a pain that neither your mother nor I could bear. I promise I will return, and soon, Mulan whispered, hugging him tight before turning and preparing to join the throng of horses and carts before her. Mulan, her father called out, coughing so violently he almost fell to his knees. Take this. He held out an old metal coin. Mulan ran her fingers over the surface. A dove and a river 
were etched on one side. This is an old medallion given to me by the Khan himself many years ago, after I spared him in battle. It comes from a time when we both dreamed our land was one. A time before kingdoms, queendoms, and empires. For all the medals and honors I won, this medallion helped me to never lose sight of my dream. I hope this brings you as much luck as it brought me. Mulan wiped a tear from her eye, carefully placed the medallion in her pocket, and embraced her parents once more, before turning away and joining the swarm. As they marched, rumors swirled about the campaign ahead. It was clear that just like Mulan, few soldiers around her had any experience of war. Her initial fears of being a burden to her fellow soldiers eased slightly, but they were soon replaced by a nagging unease that few in the army were prepared for what lay ahead. She forced herself to ignore these thoughts as they drew close to the banks of the Yellow River. Once gushing and springing forth, it was now reduced to a trickle. As the disappearing sun cast gloomy shadows across the river while her horse drank from its final dregs, Mulan trembled. The general was right about one thing at least. Life in their villages couldn't continue like this for much longer. It took several weeks to reach the northern border. Day by day, the youthful enthusiasm that rippled through the ranks in the early marching days had gradually slipped away, replaced instead by a gnawing sense of unease as smoke billowed from the Khan's camp in the distance. They set up for the night and Mulan clutched her father's medallion tight, trying to catch a few winks of sleep under the darkening skies. The ground shook and shuddered as dawn broke. Mulan stumbled from her tent, rubbing her eyes as a huge cloud of dust appeared on the horizon. The camp was engulfed in a flurry of activity as horses galloped, officers barked commands, and swords were sharpened one last time. The battle had arrived. Scurrying into formation, Mulan mounted her horse and studied the billowing cloud of dust. Squinting, she could make out the features of the monsters they had been sent to slay. Except, as they approached, Mulan realized their faces were far from their descriptions. Squashed beneath helmets, squished beneath armor, and flying Dojiang's flag. Mulan saw soldiers old and young, just like those who stood by her side. Her mind flashed back to her childhood. She wondered if her old friend would be among the sea of faces opposite. Before she could gather her thoughts further, the general roared a final command, and Mulan launched herself forward into the furious heat of battle. Amid a blur of silver and a flash of steel, her father's training proved invaluable. Mulan survived the scrimmage with barely a scratch, managing to rescue others who were less fortunate. As the dust settled, the cavalry were exhausted and shaken. If they had been unaware of the horrors of war before, that morning left them in no doubt. To be left standing alive in the sea of misery was little consolation. While history books would surely write of a glorious victory, the soldiers trudged back solemnly to camp, their eyes haunted with an all-too-familiar look. As the campfire flickered that evening, a general clapped Mulan around the back and toasted her. You fought heroically today, Mulan, and you were truly your father's daughter. 
Mulan didn't flinch. Instead, she thought back to her father. Oh, how she missed his kind advice and tender wisdom. There was no heroism out there, General. She muttered bitterly, just dozens of lives lost and hundreds of minds scarred forever. The neighboring soldiers murmured. No one dared speak up to an authority in such a way. Mulan, the general snapped. Ours is not to reason why. Ours is but to do or die. Mulan snorted derisively. Without another word, she walked away from the fire. She hurriedly packed her bags, vowing to leave camp as soon as dawn broke. Yet, the next morning, she awoke and felt her father's medallion in her pocket. Looking down at it, as it glistened in the early morning sun, Mulan knew she couldn't flee. Her family's reputation mattered too much. With a sigh, she unpacked her bags and prepared for another day. As weeks turned to months, Mulan was forced to cast her reservations aside. It seemed the only route back to her father was through victory in battle. Quickly winning the respect of her fellow soldiers, her tactical acumen and quick-witted decisions soon led to her promotions up through the ranks. It was a brutal conflict, and there were plenty of spaces to fill. But stories of Mulan's wisdom, bravery, and judgment became legendary throughout her army. Unafraid to challenge orders from above, her compassion with capturing enemies earned the respect not just of her troops, but of those they fought as well. Yet, just like her father, none of the medals pinned on her chest could fill the emptiness in her heart. More than ever, she wanted the conflict to end. Even worse, for all their work and many victories, the Yellow River barely stirred. Just when she thought she could sink no lower, in the depths of winter, Mulan received a note from her father. He wrote of his pride upon hearing of her successes, but amid the faint handwriting and tear-splotched sentences, Mulan knew its true message. He didn't have long to live. As spring arrived, Mulan sensed hope for the first time. Her request for leave to see her father had been denied, but after countless battles at the turn of the year, the Khan's forces finally seemed to be in retreat. By now a respected leader, Mulan gathered her council together. The Khan's army is in retreat and our border is safe again. I will write to the emperor immediately. Finally, it is time to return home. She expected the council to be delighted, but was instead met with an awkward silence. Mulan, her deputy cleared his throat. We have received new orders. As the Khan's forces are weak, we are to continue the fight. We will attack the enemy's territory until we take their side of the river. Mulan gasped. But if we succeed, they will have no access to water. Exactly, came the reply. They will be completely at the mercy of our great emperor. He says this will be the war to end all wars. Mulan froze. She thought back to her father's warnings many moons ago. No, a thousand times no, she replied softly. 
this path will lead to war without end. Do Jingyang and her Khan may perish, but others will simply follow in their place. Just like us, they will blindly swallow the lies of war and the cycle will begin again. Her advisors watched on silently, unsure of what to say. Mulan's mind raced. She could disobey orders and withdraw from battle. Many of her soldiers would follow, but they would risk their lives in the honor of their families. No, there had to be another way. Eventually, she addressed the room. Bring my falcon to my tent. I need to send a message. Tell the soldiers we will rest here for seven days, she said, walking away from the camp. Stars covered the night sky, and an icy wind pierced Mulan's armor as she dismounted by the banks of the Yellow River. A week had passed since her falcon had disappeared across the valley, with a note tightly fastened to its foot. She looked out across the gargling water and sighed. She was running out of time. I knew we would meet again one day, just not like this. Mulan jumped and turned around as a cloaked figure emerged from the shadows. You received my letter? Mulan peered through the darkness. I did. Mulan paused. Something about the voice seemed familiar. She gasped as the figure removed their cloak. Mulan recognized her childhood friend instantly. You, you, Mulan cried in disbelief. You are the famous Do Yang. I am, came the reply with a smile. But I'm afraid almost everything you've heard about me is untrue. Setting aside their swords, the two embraced, scarcely able to believe the transformation in each other since their childhood, playing together on the banks of the river. Who would have imagined this, sighed Do Yang. Oh, what I would give to return to those carefree days many years ago. Mulan nodded glumly as her thoughts turned to their current predicament. I wondered if you would come, she said. I fear we are being sucked into an endless war which no one can ever hope to win. What are we to do? I am hardly the one to ask, replied Do Yang. The real question should be why we are tasked to fight these wars. In all my years, I have not seen any good come of them. Mulan, staring into the distance, continued. Villages on both sides are destroyed, and as long as we fight, our rivers will not heal. We must end this once and for all. Together, the pair walked away from their horses and sat down on the banks of the river. For hours and hours, they stayed thinking and talking. Finally, as the first light of dawn flickered on the horizon, they emerged from the gloom a small glimmer of hope in their hearts. As they saddled their horses, Dojian Yang took Mulan's hand. Are you sure about this? If we fail over the next few days, it will be the end for both of us, and we shall never see our families again. Mulan replied, a steely determination in her eyes. The only failure would be to continue this pointless war. We have nothing to lose and everything to gain. They embraced once more, bade their farewells, and rode away. As they walked through the emperor's entrance hall, its marble floor glimmering and glistening, Mulan and Do Yang's heart beat faster than they had in any conflict. The war felt so distant in these surroundings. 
yet this battle was more important than any other. In the days following their meeting, they had each sent a letter to the Khan and Emperor respectively, claiming to know of an unbeatable plan that would win the war once and for all. The Emperor, surrounded by a gaggle of aging advisors, eyed them from his magnificent throne. Enter. I am most intrigued by your message and the promise of victory. O oh, wisest of rulers, Mulan began, I come with a message from our greatest of enemies. She nodded at Do Yang. The guards gasped as they saw the figure accompanying Mulan remove her cloak and lay her sword on the ground. Do Yang, they cried, unsheathing their swords. Just wait, said Do Yang calmly. Do you really think my Khan would send me here, unarmed, unless I brought the most important of news? The emperor raised his hand and the guards advanced no further. Do Yang bowed. I am here, your majesty, because the Khan no longer wishes to be at war. Instead, he wishes to share a great plan with you. The emperor leaned forward, intrigued. We no longer wish to fight over precious resources. Imagine if, instead of emptying our coffers and destroying our lands, we could end this war forever. Both you and the Khan know that the rivers can flow strongly with more than enough for all the villagers in times of peace. Many emperors before you have shown great bravery in battle, but none have been brave enough to end it once and for all. Through choosing to end this war, you could create a legacy that previous emperors could only dream of. Silence echoed around the room. No one had ever spoken in such a manner before. The emperor walked closer to Mulan and Do Yang, lost in thought. This sounds well and true, he murmured. But how do I know this is not a trick to weaken our guard at a crucial moment in battle? Mulan rummaged in her pocket before holding out her hand. Here, my emperor, she said, handing him her father's old medallion. The Khan gave this as a sign of the greatest respect and sincerity. This is the land he dreams of creating, alongside you. The emperor ran his fingers over the coin. It's true, your majesty. An advisor spoke from across the room. A medallion as rare as this can only come from the Khan himself. Many years have passed since its like has been seen. Nothing could be a sign of greater authority. Mulan's heart thumped faster than ever. All awaited the emperor's response as he returned to his throne. Eventually, he looked both generals in the eye. Very well, he proclaimed. Mulan, I hereby give you orders to deliver my acceptance to the Khan and for you to lead the troops home. The two generals could not believe their ears as they left the palace. Half of their plan had worked. With the emperor's acceptance scroll in hand, the two raced their horses day and night to the Khan's court. Once there, 
Mulan and Do Jingyang repeated their act for a second time. As the emperor's signed scroll, it was easier than ever. The two generals' promise of prosperity and everlasting fame worked a treat. Their plan, hatched secretly on the banks of the Yellow River, had worked. The Great War was finally over. Her troops finally disbanded, Mulan raced home along the Yellow River. It had only been a week since peace had begun, yet the rivers in the valley were already beginning to flow once more. Greeted by a joyous crowd at the village gates, Mulan anxiously scanned the crowd. She was just beginning to worry when a faint cough sounded from behind her. Spinning around, she was met by a familiar face and a wise smile. Welcome home, Mulan, the old man said. I knew you would never lose sight of your dream. Thanks for listening. The Pyjama Podcast is brought to you by My Teresa, the finest added in luxury fashion. Shop over 200 luxury brands at MyTeresa.com online. <laughs>